We here at Yash Jesus believe that God doesn't make mistakes. Not with people and not with produce. Which is why we're so excited to be partnering with Imperfect Foods. Imperfect Foods is an online grocer that recovers ugly produce and surplus foods that would otherwise go to waste. And delivers fresh, customizable boxes to your door for up to 30% less than the grocery stores. We're talking farmer's market quality girls. Without the hassle of going out of your house, honey. Without the hassle. And now, Imperfect has expanded to include pantry staples like lentils, rice, olive oil, and bread, you name it, to help round out your shopping. <laughs> girls, I just got my weekly shipment of imperfect produce, and let me tell you. Ooh, spill it, girl, spill it. I got this ugly little watermelon that puts the pretty little peach in Call Me By Your Name to shame. <laughs> That's the tea! Trust me, you're going to want to get in on this. To get your first shipment of perfectly imperfect farm fresh produce, go to imperfectfoods.com and use the promo code YASJESUS. That's Y-A-S-S-J-E-S-U-S. Kings and queens and in between sinner saints, and I don't know if I is or I ain't. Welcome for another Goo Goo Gaga episode of Yahweh's Jesus. That's right, today's episode theme is Jesus Didn't Stay a Baby. I am your host, Daniel Francesi, and as always, I'm here with my bestie, Azariah Southworth. So come in and join us, because here at Yas Jesus, we believe that the baby Jesus was cute, but teenage Jesus, he had pimples. <laughs> he was just like everybody else. So uh, we have a prayer request. In uh, one of our earlier episodes, you remember we talked about the passing of Monica Roberts, black trans activist and creator of the blog Transgrio. Now her friends are planning to keep Transgrio alive as an online publication that will continue to focus on the transgender and black communities and the intersectionality between the two. So prayers for the friends of Monica Roberts who are keeping her transgender reporting live. I think that is so beautiful. We just want to support that. We ask that you um, add uh, Monica Roberts' legacy to your prayers and that Transgrio will continue to be such a great uh, resource. Yeah, and add them to your favorites list on your browser and start going and checking out the work of Monica Roberts and support the work that Transgrio is continuing to do in her honor. Well, I think that's beautiful. Um, we love, you know, we love to see our community uh, rally together and again, support uh, one of our own. So we love that. And that's something that we like to yeah. see. We have something else to be thankful for uh, besides yeah. community. And what's that? I love this. So we have a way where you can leave us an audio message at yasjesuspod.com. So we re received an audio message from Isaiah John, who is all the way in the Philippines. So... Who was it? Was it Beth in, in one of our recent episodes who was talking about wanting to manifest that community, that queer Christian community around her? And so here we are, like not just in the United States, not just in Japan, not just in, you know, in the Netherlands. We're also in the Philippines. So Isaiah John has a praise report for us today. Hi, Danny and Azariah. I just want to thank you guys for bringing this um this podcast alive. Um, I know I'm late because I'm like three episodes in, but um, yeah, uh, thanks for, for for this podcast. I really appreciate all of the stories. I'm also a gay Christian. I'm a pastor's kid. I'm in the ministry. I was in the ministry. I was part of the, of the church for so long. And uh, your stories and your insights are giving me life right now. So. 
um, especially now um, during the quarantine season. So thank you guys and keep it up and more power to you guys. Love you. Ah, another PK. Another PK listens in. We, another pastor's kid, Isaiah John. That is so nice. Isaiah, doesn't it feel good to get messages like that? It is. And you know he's a PK with a name like that. Isaiah John, come on. And he was almost a minister himself. You know, and that's key. Almost a minister himself. And how many of us listening right now have stories like that where we were going to go into ministry, but, and, and just like our, you know, our, our gay Christian news today, uh, you know, J.O., uh, how many of us have been stopped and prevented? Um, but I don't know if that's Isaiah, Isaiah's John's story, I, but it's so likely because it's so common within our community. So, Isaiah John, thank you for calling in. Thank you for listening and for sharing that and those roosters in the background. Honey, send, send one of those my way. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, I definitely heard some cock in the background, some roosters. Isaiah John, we're so grateful to have you join us. Um, honestly, um, I'm, we're going to send that praise right back to you because we love getting these messages. Please, 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 if you're listening, uh, go to uh, yashjesuspod.com and leave us a message just like Isaiah John did. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. That is incredible. What a great way to start uh, today. Yeah. Um, I feel like I feel like we're one of those churches, you know, who have uh, the different flags of nations flying around. Now we get to add the the Philippines flag to our to our little thing, and I love that. Give me your coast to coast uh, TBN moment <laughs> from coast to coast and around the world. It's time to yas, Jesus. Yas, <laughs> I'm into it. Uh, thank you again. Uh, if we we're nothing if not international here at Yash Jesus, um, and you know something that uh, can transcend language can transcend the world is the scripture and uh mm-hmm. we're here with the scripture of the day scripture of the day scripture of the day it's soul food that's right <laughs> <laughs> my sister my sister bobby listens and she goes azariah the only thing i don't like is that song <laughs> yeah nobody likes it except for us and that's fine <laughs> it's really just for us and i love it so our scripture of the day comes from ecclesiastes 12 1 Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before your days of trouble come, before we got to pay rent, before we have to deal with arthritis. Yeah. The only stimulus I was worried about when I was younger is trying to watch the scrambled porn channel. Truly. Like that was the only, (laughs) I didn't have to worry about any stimulus, nothing like we, you know, (laughs) what, so what does this scripture mean? Let's break this down for me. So I have no pleasure in them. So what is that? What is that saying to us? I, I think it's talking about the days when, um, you know, when you no longer feel that youthful nature, um, so it could be a variety of things. It could be a physical ailment that makes you feel that way. It could be a, a mental thing, emotional, you know. Um, so remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble. So maybe by remembering our creator from the days of our youth, it will help us to find pleasure in the years that we find no pleasure in them. I see that. I don't know. Thinking, yeah. Okay. I could see that. <laughs> We're about to get into the gospel and let's see what this teaches us. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Well, it's not Christmas anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Christmas is over. Christmas, it, we, we have to wait a whole, almost a whole year now to get to Christmas. Christmas is a major Christian holiday. It's one of those ten pole traditions. We even have songs dedicated to the teeny tiny baby Jesus laying in the manger. You can go listen to our Christmas pageant episode. We set up little nativity scenes in our home. When I was a kid, my mom, it's a, maybe it's an Italian thing, I don't know, but she used to put a little cotton on the baby Jesus and not take it off. <laughs> take it off like the day he was born. They used to cover him up. I'm like, why even have him there? Just like, put, you know, but no, they, they covered him up. And then when he was born, they would like remove like, like, you know, the little piece of fabric or cotton or whatever they used to do to cover him up. Yeah, we even have pageants where kids can wear bathrobes and dish towels to reenact the Christmas story, usually with a doll as the baby Jesus. By the way, if you didn't catch our episode of the queerest Christmas pageant ever, you should go back and listen to that. It's timeless. But what happened after Jesus stopped being a teeny tiny little baby? He didn't stay in the manger forever, Danny. So I really got interested in this because there is a television show uh, from Canada called The Naked Archaeologist. I I saw Mm -hmm. it on Amazon Mm -hmm. Prime. Okay, and Mm -hmm. on The Naked Archaeologist, uh, where this uh, archaeologist strips down uh, biblical stories to the archaeology, he did an episode on the city of Sepphoris, which is the city Mm -hmm. that's near Nazareth. Now, the Bible always says that Jesus came from Nazareth. But it might be possible that Jesus lived or worked in Sepphoris. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. This sent me on a rabbit hole of information about Jesus' childhood home. Where did he grow up? What was, it, what was his life like? What still exists? Um, they, you know, it's interesting because there was this huge Greek amphitheater there. And mm-hmm. Jesus uses the word hypocrite like around 28 times in the Bible, which was a Greek word. And they were wondering where he might have picked that word up. Perhaps it was at that amphitheater watching some of the actors in the play. A hypocrite meant actor at that time. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I even found an article that said that the archaeologists say that uh, they found a first century house that might have been Jesus's house. Mm-hmm. The house is stone and mortar. It's built into a hillside. The archaeologists say that they cannot know for certain if it was Jesus's home, but it's just cool to think of like a baby Jesus, like a little toddler Jesus, yeah. and even like an adolescent Jesus running around. I remember watching that episode of the Naked Ar- Archaeologist with you, Danny. And remember when he went to the site of that home? I know, and the yes. woman that was in the house above, which was potentially Jesus's home, was pregnant. Uh huh. Yep. It was, you have to check out this show, guys. The Naked Archaeologist. It's so good. It is definitely like an awesome guilty pleasure where I also feel like I'm having a guilty like reality pleasure. But at the same time, I'm learning something about about the Bible. Fascinating things. But imagine Jesus as a baby. Like not the cute little sleeping baby you see at the nativity scenes, but a real baby. So do you think Jesus got colic? Did he scream nonstop for days? Did he bite off Mary's nipple? Like, <laughs> I mean, did, 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 he, did he pee when he got his diaper changed? <laughs> <laughs> did he, yeah. My nephew did that. Okay, my nephew's like 10 months old and he peed and my mom was like, oh, uh, and he laughed. Like he knew what he was doing. <laughs> that my, my, my family loves to tell the story of when, when I was a baby. Similar story. Uh, my oldest sister Bobby was changing my diaper when I was when I was a baby. Let me clarify. And and when she was changing my diaper, I peed on her and laugh as well. And um, I I feel awkward telling this story now. But yes. So did Jesus do things like that? <laughs> I was being changed in the hospital, and I peed right into the doctor's coat pocket. I like I think I won the big prize at the fair, like the huge one at the top, the giant SpongeBob. <laughs> 
Well, what would you think? What would you think that Mary and Joseph would think about that? Like, I can imagine Mary saying, "Like, I thought that riding a donkey across Israel and giving birth in a barn was bad, but this is getting on my last nerve." <laughs> there is exactly one story about Jesus as a baby after his birth, and it's worth looking at here. So it shows up in the book of Luke, chapter two. Mary and Joseph present Jesus at the temple. And this is part of the rules that were laid out in the book of Leviticus. Oh, brother. This, the same Leviticus that people use against LGBTQ people all the time. Yes. Now, the book of Levit- Leviticus is the book of laws and rules. Uh, so, this one said that after a boy is born, the mother is considered unclean. And seven days after the birth, the boy is circumcised. Ouch. Yeah, the whole process is outlined in Leviticus 12, and it reads as this. A woman who becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son will be ceremonially ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her monthly period. On the eighth day, the boy is to be circumcised. Then the woman must wait 33 days to be purified from her bleeding. She must not touch anything sacred or go to the sanctuary until the days of her purification are over. If she gives birth to a daughter, for two weeks the woman will be unclean, as during her period. Then she must wait 66 days to be purified from her bleeding. Wow, I hope all those anti-gay women did that. I hope so. Their book of Leviticus is so ridiculous. <laughs> Leviticus ridiculous. It's this, look, ridiculous. This is intense and insane. So women were unclean after childbirth, and she's unclean for different lengths of time. If it's a boy or a girl, like, what if she had a little gender queer baby? Who knows? Yeah. Right. And these rules in the Old Testament got really binary. But in Leviticus twelve, it goes on, and. Then they had to wait 33 more days when Mary is still considered unclean until they bring the baby to the temple to present an offering. So here it continues. When the days of her purification for a son or daughter are over, she is to bring to the priest at the entrance to the tent of meeting a year old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a dove for a sin offering. Let me pause right here and just say these are too many details. I can barely remember like (laughs) small things like getting coffee in the morning like, oh, I forgot to eat today. You know, like this is too much. But it continues. He shall offer them before the Lord to make atonement for her, and then she will be ceremonially clean from her flow of blood. These are the regulations for the woman who gives birth to a boy or a girl. But if she cannot afford a lamb, she is to bring two doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for her and she will be clean. So Mary had to give birth in a stable, mm-hmm. and then she had to be treated as unclean for over a month? Yeah. So Jesus is about 40 years old, and they are in the temple getting ready to sacrifice a couple pigeons. Rich people sacrifice a lamb. But Luke says explicitly that Mary and Joseph took the poor people option of the two pigeons. So Jesus was not born into a rich family at all, y'all. Mm. And a prophet 
named Simeon was there. Luke says that Simeon was told he would not see death until he saw the Messiah. So we can guess that our boy Simeon is pretty old. So when Simeon sees Jesus, he took the baby in his arms and made this proclamation. Luke chapter 2, verse 29 through 32. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And how did Joseph and Mary react? They were shocked. And Simeon turns directly to Mary and with what I assume is a pretty ominous tone says this. This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Oh, so baby Jesus is a big head at the temple. Honey, very much so. At the same time, there was a prophetess named Anna who started singing praises to God when she saw the baby. But babies become toddlers. And what are toddlers like? We have no toddler stories about Jesus. We just have these baby stories, this one baby story, really. I want to know more. Do you think Jesus threw like a tantrum? Did he like throw himself on the floor and kick and writhe when he ran out of energy or couldn't have any, anything to drink or more, more fishbowl? <laughs> I want more Swedish fish. Did Jesus get time out? <laughs> did, did Mary try to intervene? Did she try to do something? What about Jesus as a prepubescent teen? Mm-hmm. I mean, this yeah. is where like a lot of the fun must have really happened. You know, I, I, th- I think about this also when it comes to Sapphras because, you know, it was only an hour walk away from where Jesus grew up. Only an hour away. And all Jesus ever did was walk. That's like with all the stories that he's walking, you know? There were no smartphones. There wasn't even a printing press. There were no books. And it was a major you know, like, city, and they were. Car- he worked as a carpenter with his dad, so the, technically, like, he, they would have had all the work there. Yeah. Go into the town, get supplies, go see a show. I feel like, um, and this is also, like, this is what I heard one of the scholars speak about on that episode of uh, Naked Archaeologist, but they were saying that... Uh, it was when they were trying to sell Christianity to like to the Greeks and the Romans that they wanted to take everything that Christ potentially said about Sacrus out, maybe, because there's he literally says nothing about it and mm-hmm. spent his whole life an hour away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in rural Indiana, honey, and my my sisters and I, we would go walking all around, all around. So, you know, Jesus had to go there and experience life and have some sort of life experience and lessons there. Um, you know, especially like in, in a, like a big city like that in, in comparison to where he is. I mean, that's so relatable. Like, wouldn't you want to hear about like growing up as a child next to like a city like that? Yeah. And I, I'm so I'm sure as we learn more about the city, we're also going to learn more about the culture that influenced Jesus during his adolescence youth. And we do have one story from when Jesus was 12 years old. And again, it comes from Luke chapter 2. Luke 2 coming through with all them juicy (laughs) stories. I got to go and read Luke 2 again. Let's do this. So this one is about the most relatable parenting example. Losing your child in a public place. Oh, my God. I (laughs) There's a legendary story about me. uh, And I kind of remember it. And so this must have been a really young memory, like four years old, five years old. And like I was at a place that was a theme park called Storytown in Lake George, 
upstate New York. And there was like a, I remember it, there was a flume ride. And it was like, my mom and dad didn't want to get wet. It was a little chilly out. And they were like, no, we're not going to go on that. But I wanted to go on that log ride, that water log ride. And I waited for the right moment. And I'm like, I'm little. I'll just say I got lost. And I just walked away and like waited online for the ride. And I was like, da, 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 you know, like waiting like on the, on, like online. And I looked out sort of like a window and I saw my dad's face. He was panicking through the crowd. Like I was lost. And I was like, oh man, I was almost at the top, but I was like, I feel bad. Like he's really <laughs> looking for me. So I went back down and my parents were like screaming. Like it was just like this whole thing. My dad was mad. My mom was like, to this thing, remember when you lost Danny? Like, it was just like, <laughs> and it was really me that like kind of like low key ran away. I want to hear a story like that about Jesus. Well, honey, you experienced what Jesus experienced. You and Jesus have something else in common now because every year Jesus's family went to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, and they would travel in a big caravan of travelers, like lots of families do, which is probably safer and easier since you can work together. Well, when Jesus was twelve. They went into Jerusalem and then left him behind. And they got a whole day away from Jerusalem before they realized he was even missing. Oh, this is so good. I do know about this. How do you not notice that your own child is missing? That's like so scary. It's like, Kevin! You know, it's like, Jesus, I'm you know, it's like freaking out. They probably assumed he was with like other people in the family or with a group of kids like traveling together, you know? Yeah, yeah. But when they realized he was gone, they asked around to everyone and then realized they had to turn back. They spent three days searching in Jerusalem before they found him. Where do you think? In the temple. Let's let Luke, too, tell the rest of the story. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Oh, that is some mad swagger for just a kid. <laughs> for like, a twelve-year-old, like high key, like Jesus is twelve, and he's chilling with the rabbis, discussing, you know, having theological the discussions, like you do, <laughs> you know, like you actually do. Uh, can you imagine what it was like when Jesus wandered in? Like the rabbis are like, "Who's this twink?" And then, <laughs> who is this skinny twink? And then. <laughs> Oh, I saw him at Sephiroth. This little boy, Jesus, comes in and he drops some wisdom. Second, when his mom rightfully freaks out, he just claps back. Well, why don't you look here first? Like, how Mm -hmm. would your mom react? (laughs) She would grab me by the arm like, what are you doing? I told you to be in that car. (laughs) You said they didn't have cell phones. Did they have wooden spoons? Because I'm a little afraid for Jesus. Because, like, I... (laughs) Wooden spoons were like a big thing when I was little. Let me just tell you. I was so glad that we didn't have Amazon. My mom would have bought them by the gross. They just would have kept coming. She kept breaking them over me. <laughs> you know, which brings us to an important biblical question. Was Jesus spanked? Because if there was ever a time, this might be it. I don't know. I think that they might have been a little like, a little bit like, look at him. Like, he's so precocious. Like, they might have like liked the fact you know, that he was so smart and maybe surprised by it. You know, what do you think the rabbis in the temple said to Mary? Like, you should send them to Hebrew school right away. 
Look at him. He's got so much potential. We're so glad you're here. He's making us look bad. Who is this little punk twink? <laughs> uh, I think if we ask an anthropologist, they would be able to tell us about the disciplinary actions within Jewish culture and parents during that time. So that's an interesting question to pose. Okay, but here's the thing. We got no more stories between Jesus being 12 years old and him showing up as a grown-ass man, starting his ministry. Ugh, puberty is brutal. So much strange stuff happening to your body, it's pretty dramatic. Yeah, we have a lot of questions about Jesus and puberty. Yeah, everyone's an asshole in middle school. Like, what did he have to go through? <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe, that, then, then maybe that's why I got nixed, because they're like, oh, no, Jesus was an asshole during these years. No, 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 no. We can't let people know about this. <laughs> what did he do at that house that archaeologists found in Sepphoris, like homeschooling? Maybe. I, I wonder, when did, you, when did Jesus get acne? So this is what's interesting. We all know Jesus lived in Galilee, but there's a second Galilee. And so th- I, I, what's been said is that there is a lot. It's very hard to be an archaeologist. What I, the biggest thing I've learned from watching that show is it's very hard to be an archaeologist in Israel because nobody wants to touch anything. Everything is sacred. You don't want to dig anywhere. If they're developing anything, they're putting apartments on potentially things that could have incredible historic value it's there's no question that if you dug up the entire thing of israel you would find so much stuff but they can't do that and so this other house that they discovered on the hill that potentially could be jesus's home is in a different galilee kind of like how some Mm -hmm. cities have similar names there's you know uh, this city and that city west this east that and so there's another Mm -hmm. galilee but they they don't want to make people hip to the fact that that could be potentially be the historical place where jesus was grew up because they don't want to dig there and they don't want to make a big mess. And they already have this established tourist destination that they're pretty confident. Most people are pretty confident is the correct galley, but there's questions and there's a lot Mm -hmm. of questions that we can't get answers to because they don't want to dig there. Who knows what can be found? Like the Red Sea Scrolls were found, right? Because we're not digging up in the right area. So maybe, you know, the the missing documents uh, or, you know, the documented time of Jesus's you know, missing years between 12 and adulthood is there to be found. Maybe there's some ancient yeah. Accutane or something there. Like, <laughs> Hey, that, that stuff works really well. FYI. Oh, but yeah, I, I wonder, you know, about what Jesus's youth was like, if he did have the acne, if, you know, if, you know, did he have what dreams? Yeah, you know, I don't know. You know, yeah. Did his voice crack? Do you think he was practicing his preaching and pro- proclaiming skills and, and one word got really high pitched. Like, mm-hmm. like he would just be yeah. like cracking, cracking in the middle of his prayer. Are, are, are would we find where they were? You know, keeping uh, you know the markings on the wall of how tall he was getting over the years. You know, like uh, you know, did he have awkward growth spurts? Oh, you know, it's interesting too. Is like. Uh, some of those writings that he might have uh, written might have been about that time. And maybe we could have found out some things about those things about ourselves that have been such a mystery for so long. When did his underarm hair start coming in? Did he freak out? Was he like chill about it? (laughs) Yeah. Did he have a journal somewhere that documented these things? You know, a diary, you know, it's possible. We just want to know that, that how human was. Yeah. We want to know everything about Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> most most people haven't even considered Jesus the teenage years. Yeah, and all of these questions remind us that while Jesus is the Son of God, he was really fully human. And being human means having awkward teenage years 
We've all had them, honey. I could, you've heard some of my stories. And Jesus becomes even more relatable because of that. So even as you love this queer body that God gave you and your body is changing or has changed, know that Jesus went from a tiny newborn sleeping in a manger to the main attraction at the temple as a baby to a precocious 12-year-old chatting mm-hmm. it up with some rabbi daddies to <laughs> something else. Who knows? And maybe just maybe... Maybe we could see the house where Jesus grew up. Yeah. So if you're going through that awkward phase right now, so did Jesus. And for our tithes, love offering, charity, act of good, reach out to a teenager in your life. Say hi and let them know that you know that adolescence is hard. Maybe that's the affirmation they need that day. And maybe they'll ask you how to deal with some aspect of teen life. And you might be helpful to them. I love that. Reach out to a teenager. They need you. They need a community. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's have a closing prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for bringing us together. Uh, As always, we want to thank you for this sense of community, for this ability to be able to get together with my bestie and talk talk about scripture in a safe and welcoming environment for queer folks. Uh, We're so happy that that exists, and we're so delighted that we're a part of it, and you've given us this calling. And help us to remember and continue to memorialize and support the great works of people like Monica Roberts and the future of Transgrio. And we also thank you for Isaiah John and his roosters. And for all of those who are joining our community all around the world, we give you thanks. We are so grateful. Uh, Thank you so much, Father God, in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Yas Jesus. You can find us on social media at Yas Jesus Pod or on our website at YasJesusPod.com. You can now leave an audio prayer request or praise report on our website, YasJesusPod.com. We would love to share your voice and your prayers on the show. So drop us a line or send us a recording on YasJesusPod.com. Yes, send us your praise reports, your prayer requests, episode ideas, guest ideas, or even just the, I think Jesus had wet dreams. We don't care. We'd love to just hear from you. (laughs) Yes, Jesus is hosted by me, Danny Franzese, and... Azariah Southworth. Music, sound, editing, and all things audio are done by Chris Heckman. Our show is produced by the freaking deacon, Ross Murray. And special thanks to Sophie Serrano and Meredith Pauly. Yas Jesus is brought to you by Oddity. Oddity execs are Ryan Lochner, Jessica Bastillos, and Steve Michaels. Until next time, keep praising the Lord, y'all. From coast to coast and around the world. (laughs) It's time to Yas Jesus.